Hello again, and welcome to a Planet Beyond Shortcast. This week, we're speaking with Jeff Richardson, who is the Remote Operations Centre Manager for Fugro, based in Aberdeen. Jeff has been with the business for over 20 years, since he started as an intern all the way back in 2000. Now, Jeff works developing the processes and technologies of the future for the offshore energy sector. But despite the fascinating work that Jeff does as a manager in the Remote Operations Centre, or, or ROC, what we want to spend our time talking with him about is what he does outside of work. Welcome, Jeff, and thanks for speaking with us. Uh, thanks, John. Nice to be here. I know you've had an exciting time at work over the last few years, helping develop remote operations and, and robotics that really did accelerate with COVID and, and a very fast-paced change in technology. But it's not what we're here to talk about today. So what is it that you spend your time outside of work doing? Yeah, so so outside of work, as if I as if I didn't have enough going on, I, I also volunteer as a as a Coast Guard rescue officer. So w- within the UK, the the Coast Guard is the the only national emergency service. Uh, all the other services are split into two areas. The the Coast Guard exists within the MCA, the Marine and Coast Guard Agency, uh, and it carries out the sort of search and rescue capabilities w- within that area. And, and that varies. It has uh, aeronautical operations in terms of rescue helicopters. It has marine coordination centres. So they look at the, you know, if there was an incident offshore or near shore, using lifeboats and, and coordinating re- responses to those sorts of operations. And then it also has the Coast Guard Rescue Service, uh, which is about 300 teams around the uh, around the country about 3,000 volunteers, and within those teams, you have Coast Guard rescue officers like myself that are trained to deliver casualty care uh, or affect different types of rescues, whether that is water, mud, search, or, or cliff rescues. So how does being in the Coast Guard work alongside being in a full-time job? Are you being called for emergencies while you're at your desk? It varies depending on the individual. So rather than there being a rota where you are on or off call, that is very much dependent on yourself and your particular circumstances. So the way I'm set up uh, is that at half past eight every morning, I put myself offline and and at five o'clock every day, it it comes back online. So out with those times, I'm effectively on, on call. And what happens is we we get a tasking and alert through to our phones, and then we respond to say yes, I'm uh, I'm responding to that. We then would proceed to the station, and the the Coast Guard station in Stonehaven, where I live, is about five minutes away. So we get there, we open up, and the vehicle should already be prepped and ready to go with all the equipment in it. So it's a fairly quick process uh, to to get the the motor out and and get moving to to whatever the incident may be. Now, when you say vehicle, what sort of vehicle are we talking about? 
so the Coast Guard teams are onshore based. So so we have the we interact a lot with the Royal National Lifeboat Institute, the RNLI, and they have the the big orange boats that you you might see um, around the coast. So they do the the sea stuff, and and really the Coast Guard is looking from the water up to the kind of high water mark. But in reality, we can we can go a lot further inland than that, depending on the, the circumstances of the of the show. So yeah, the, the vehicle itself is a Mitsubishi L200 or similar type vehicle. And it is packed with a bunch of gear that we will need to, to effect that rescue. So water rescue gear, stretcher, rope rescue gear, uh, etc. Obviously radios, blue lights uh, and all that good stuff that uh, will help us get to the scene of an incident. Could you share with us what the typical situation that you'd be called to looks like. Yeah, sure. So um, for for us as a, as a team at Stonehaven, a lot of the, the shouts that we get will either be a search or a cliff job. So a search is normally we're called in by the police for a lost or missing person, uh, typically a, a high-risk person. We will go to a particular rendezvous point, the last known position of the, the, the individual, for example. We will set up a command post there. Uh, we'll have an officer in charge, and that officer is also a volunteer. And we are trained to different levels of competence, depending on uh, the role. Uh, the officer in charge will then assign roles and, and start to carry out a search. And that could be a long riverbanks along coastal areas, forests, uh, etc., or urban areas as well. It's a relatively quick way for the for the police to get additional numbers on the ground, boots on the ground to start that search process. The police are fairly under-resourced at times and, and they don't necessarily have that capacity to bring in a lot of people to, to help. So the Coast Guard could really you know, complement the, the, the police in that respect. And we might find that the police will bring in drones, for example. But the Coast Guard also has additional assets that we can request, such as the, the Coast Guard helicopters that you, you see, you know, the, the red and white ones that you see flying a, a, about the UK. So we have the ability to, to request that, and that gets dealt with by our operations room, the, the Marine Rescue Coordination Centres they will put in a request to the aeronautical coordination center uh, and if it is picked up then then we will get that asset so on the ground what we're really doing is looking for that individual or uh, looking for traces of the individual if they've dropped something um, anything that can can help guide us into where they might be the the officer in charge also has a, a series of information based on previous missing persons um, that they can try and identify, you know, if it's a, an elderly person or if it's a young child, you know, how likely is it that they will be found within a certain distance from their last known location, how they might behave if, depending on if they've, if they're a child, they might be a lot more frightened of a lot of people on the ground with, uh, so they're less likely to, to shout for help and things like that. So it's really just building that uh, that knowledge and then trying to to affect that that rescue that's what a normal rescue looks like 
I guess none are really normal, but are there any that you've worked on that that really stand out for you? Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest one that sticks out in my, my head is the, the Stonehaven train crash. We were on scene shortly after it happened and uh, and in that occasion, although we were we were called, the, the fire brigades were there, um, we had air ambulances, police, etc. And a lot of them had roles to play, very prominent roles. And what we can offer as a as a service there is a complementary role. So it's that coordination with Coast Guard helicopters, which are being used to extract casualties. It could also be that we could provide protection for other services if they're working close to water, for example. Or in the case of the, the train crash, you know, you don't know at the time of the incident how many casualties there are going to be. So getting just individuals there who are trained in casualty care is is critical. Now, we're, we're fortunate that there were so few people on the on the train due to COVID. But obviously that that was a, a clear memory of you know all those services coming together uh, in a very joined up way and, and kind of offering complementary services and different types of assets uh, you know that they have so that obviously fire trucks are large and big and heavy and a lot of equipment that they they carry is is long there are very few services that have the sort of the four by four type vehicles that, that we have so that kind of offered us a, a different dimension to to use on the day this is all very intense high-pressure work. What is it that drives you to do it? So I think, obviously, there's there's that, that element of wanting to give something back to the community and, and, you know, the support of your family as well. You know, I've got two kids and a, a wife and and they support, you know, that I want to do this. Um, so that's a, a key aspect of it. But what, what really drives me was that, you know, that developing myself, um, being involved in small professional teams um, that are really have that desire to deliver a quality product. And I think that's where, where it links very nicely to, to my role in The Rock. We have a small team and it's, uh, it's a little bit about the culture. It's a little bit about competence. It's a little bit about the training and being able to trust that the people that you're working with uh, have the similar mindset and developing and delivering that sort of quality product. So I think there's there's sort of alignment between both those roles. Now, there'll be a few people listening to this thinking, I'd like to do something like that. What sort of things are the Coast Guard looking for when it comes to potential new recruits? Yeah, so so very much it's about attitude more than more than anything else. You know, the the, the Coast Guard will train an individual up in, in all the types of competencies that, that are required. And that's that's similar to how I think about recruitment in, in terms of the, the rock as well. We, we're looking for attitude. Because in, in, in my experience, you can't train a bad attitude. You could teach skill, you can have someone learn something, but, but you can't train that bad attitude. So I think, you know, within these small sort of high-performing teams that the Coast Guard has around the coast. It's very much a very similar mindset of that positive attitude. Let's, you know, we're, we're trained to a certain standard. We have the competencies. We could trust our colleagues because we know that they've been trained to that. People are attending training on a on a regular basis. And you're empowered to take the actions that you, you need to by senior full-time members of staff. So 
when you're operating like that, it's, it's very much a case of a bunch of people coming together that have trusted each other and can perform, you know, uh, a rescue effectively to a high standard. And then at the end of the day, they go home or they go back to the workshop or they go back to the office or what have you. So yeah, it's it's, it's very interesting the way people come together, but attitude is by far and away the, the key aspect of it. And if somebody wanted to give up some of their time to do this sort of thing, how would they start? Where is the best place to find more information about joining the Coast Guard? So the, the Coast Guard's got various presences on social media platforms within our area. We've just started a recruitment process. And again, that's run by the full-time teams and, and the numbers are dependent on what each individual team needs. But yeah, starting with there, obviously they're just Googling the, the Coast Guard Rescue Service, understanding what we do. Um, and it, as, you know, it's, it's my decision to, to volunteer for the Coast Guard. Uh, there are a myriad of volunteering opportunities out there. So it, while it might not fit one individual, it doesn't mean to say that there isn't another volunteering opportunity out there somewhere. Jeff Richardson, thank you very much, and keep up the amazing work. I love that final point that even if something like the Coast Guard isn't for you, there is always some way we can find to give our time in aid of others. Contributing to the community, yes, gives us a sense of purpose and, and of belonging, but the benefits run way deeper than that. When we consider the wonderful lessons that Jeff can build on from working in high-performing teams inside and outside work, then he's building up skills, his own and of the teams he works with. He's building trust, a high-performing culture, and indeed, guiding principles and values. It's a it's, it's a genuine win-win. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. I've really enjoyed speaking to Jeff. If you enjoyed it too, don't forget to drop us a like on your favourite podcast app and show us your support by sharing this episode with your family and friends. Until next time, be safe. Be remarkable, be the difference.